Is there a silver bullet to make any conversation a better conversation? Welcome to another episode of Relearning Leadership, where we explore a specific leadership challenge and break it down to help improve your leadership, your organization, and possibly your personal life. I'm Pete Behrens, and today I wanna to talk about the one way you can improve every conversation. Does that sound intriguing? All right, let's dive in. I wanna start with two stories that, uh, let's just say, didn't go so well. Two conversations that I had with my partner, Jada, that let's not follow. All right, conversation number one. One morning on a Saturday, I'm writing, you know, in the flow, headphones on, uh, working on working on some topic. And sure enough, Jana comes along, said, hey, Pete, got to talk. Of course, I'm interrupted. I'm uh, bumped out of my flow of state of writing. And I can imagine uh, my response was probably not all that uh, friendly in terms of, huh, what? And, you know, within about 30 seconds, I think she said, fine, forget it. And I'm like, oh, failure bow, right? I, you know, trying to recover from that was incredibly, incredibly difficult. Now, conversation number two, let's turn the tables. So now it's my turn. I'm coming up to Jana. I'm offering an, a new idea about, hey, this house is no longer serving us. And, you know, I believe it's time for us to move. Our boys have moved out, uh, you know, we're using maybe 20% of our house anymore. And boy, was I surprised. Uh, the the, the uh, alliteration of, whoa, 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 wait, 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 what, what about our memories? What about, you know, our friends? What about, you know, we love living here. What about, we just redid our kitchen. We did all these things that were, were coming up. It was like, oh my gosh, like, all right, I totally screwed that conversation up. And, you know, obviously it, it tripped over a, a wire on that one. So what's going on? Right, and these two not so great moments uh, with Pete and conversations with his partner, Jana. Well, what we're dealing with here is the concept of threat. Okay, first of all, in both cases, we've got somebody who needs to talk and somebody who's, you know, for the most part, unsuspecting, right? And this is a way a lot of conversations, you know, get kicked off. And if we're just talking about like, the game last night, or if we're just talking about the weather, who cares, right? It, let's not work up a sweat over those things. But when something's at stake, right? Uh, when there's something important to talk about, when you're dealing with emotions, when you're dealing with, you know, I mean, our house, I mean, that's a lot to it. And, and what I didn't realize in the first conversation is Jana wanted to be talking about her mother and her mother's resurgence of cancer. Yeah, that was that conversation. At work, this might be dealing with things like project decisions, you know, changes. This might be dealing with, you know, reassignments and, you know, where where things are going to be, you know, heavily, you know, involved in, you know, this decision has an impact, right? Those are the conversations that we don't want to have this kind of response. So what are we seeing here? We're seeing threat. So let's talk about threat. Threat is that adrenaline hormone inducing, get the heart rate going, 
get the lungs pumping for that fight, flight, or freeze response, right? That's that defensiveness that we get when something is coming at us that we don't expect. Now, in these two stories, we're seeing a couple of things. One is, let's take that first story. I'm surprised, right? I, I'm, I'm on a train. I'm in a flow. And what happens? I get pulled away from that. My brain is, is expecting something that all of a sudden, right? And, and it's being pulled away, right? This is what we call a certainty threat. I had a certain expectation of what's going on. And, you know, Saturday morning, I don't expect much to, to, to disrupt that. And all of a sudden, there it is in front of me. Now, there's a second piece going on there, right? Autonomy. I have no choice, right? This is happening to me. I mean, Jenna wasn't purposely trying to break my flow. She didn't know what I was doing. She was just, she had a need. She needed to talk about something that was important to her at that moment. Yet for me, that was a forced disruption. That's, that's like saying, nope, you got to be over here, you know? And so autonomy is another clear trigger. Now, turn the tables. Same thing's happening to Jenna. I surprise her with this conversation about a house, right? She's like, whoa, where's this coming from? And, and, you know, there's a certainty element there, but let's compound the certainty. Not only is this conversation uncertain, the entire path I'm projecting forward is uncertain. Sell this house? How? Where are we going to move? Where do we go to? Where's our friends? What, what do we do with all, you know? The, and so when you're talking about change and certainty, it's not only the conversation, it's the implications of that conversation. And obviously autonomy, I didn't give her choice. I'm saying, hey, let's talk about this right now. Now, what we're seeing is two elements of a framework that I want you to be aware of. Okay, now this comes from David Rock and it's called SCARF. Now it comes from the book, Your Brain at Work, which you probably see right on my shelf behind me there. And it's, an incredibly powerful recognition of the triggers, the five key triggers we all, all humans, are going to create this adrenaline pumping threat, right? So let's just quickly review those here for a second. The S stands for status. Now, status is probably my favorite threat. I mean, what is status? Status is something where we compare to other people. Right, I might be wealthier, healthier, uh, you know, taller, you know, those types of like, st like, who am I as a, as a person? But status is also like my experience, my expertise, my authority. Do you question my decision? Are you uh, saying I made a mistake? Right? You think of all those things that happen at work when somebody says, "Hey, I'm not so sure about that," or "I don't see the things the same way." Those are actually status. Threats. Our person, our being, our competency is being challenged. All right, now C, certainty. We talked about that one quite a bit, but think about that, right? Certainty is the, the threat of what I expect versus something new coming in, right? Think of COVID. COVID was a huge certainty trigger, not only for our health and like, hey, am I going to get it? But even like, are we going to return to work and what's going to happen at work? And I mean, think about all the things that COVID did from a standpoint of, you know, certainty types of triggers. And this is one that comes up obviously at work, especially with agility all the time. A, 
autonomy. Now, again, we talked about that one. Uh, don't tread on me, right? Give me my freedom. Give me choice. You know, anytime that we are pulled from what we want to do, we're going to get triggered by an autonomous threat. Like, that is not something I wanted to go. Like, I mean, this is true of any decisions that organizations make, right? This is this is happening all the time. Now, it might feel like micromanagement to you, or it might feel like, you know, somebody is is just, you know, uh, you know, treading on you on your turf in some way, you does your work, you know, whatever that might be, right? That that gets that status and uh, um, uh, autonomy when somebody redoes your work or corrects corrects your work. Uh, you can think how certainty and autonomy can can play together as well, right? Uh, when something's uncertain, it often happens because of a lack of autonomy, like a choice in direction. And all of a sudden, whoa, wasn't my choice, and it's uncertain. So these things combine together. Relatedness. Relatedness is the connection to somebody else. So I didn't have this with Jenna and I. We're quite connected. We're quite, you know, we, we, we've been together for a very long time. But think about what happens at work. Somebody makes decisions that's not in the project. Wait a second. Why are they making this? They don't understand what's going on here. They're not involved in the everyday action, right? How many times the lack of understanding, right? Why is HR making that policy? We're, we're different over here. They don't understand us, right? Why did my boss make that decision? They're not in, in the depths, right? So relatedness is the lack of connection and context and understanding we have with those that might be interrupting us. And finally, F, fairness. Uh, probably the one my partner Jana is most triggered on, not, not only for her own, like being un treated unfairly, but actually when she sees some somebody else, women get untreated unfairly, or you know, Black Lives Matter. You know, it's it's when that equity and in, in you know uh, e equality are being challenged in a lot of ways. But this happens at work all the time. It's not fair. Our group is punished for the, this other group. You know, we have to stay and work late, or we have to fix their problems, or you know, things flow downstream. And you know, think about how fairness right comes into play. And even why do they get the corner office? Now you're talking fairness. And status, right? Why do they get the parking spot? You know, so what we're seeing here are again these five key triggers. So the silver bullet to making any conversation a better conversation is to delay and/or avoid threat. Easier said than done, I know, but we actually have a little bit more at our disposal. There's another little trick. To this. The, the brain's fascinating in the fact that the brain has the adrenaline that, that pumps the heart and gets the lungs going on the fight, flight, or freeze. But you know what? The brain has another chemical, another hormone called dopamine. And the dopamine is, an, is, is a counterforce. It's like a counterpunch. Because for every one of these threats, there's a reward. We can give status. We can give certainty. We can give autonomy. We can give relatedness. We can give fairness. Each one of these giving, not taking, giving creates dopamine. The, the feel good, hey, I'm recognized. I'm heard. Uh, I'm treated fairly, right? That actually produces a chemical. Now, the bad news is the adrenaline always supersedes the dopamine. Now, this was Darwin. This is, you know, survival of the fittest. Uh, you know, the reason the adrenaline is stronger is because in the days of, you know, cave people, 
pretty much every one of these threats meant life was at risk, right? Whether, you know, the uncertainty of a tiger, you know, in the forest or the uncertainty of my status being challenged by another tribe member means I'm probably going to get killed or I don't know this other tribe, so they're probably going to kill me, right? Those are the things that got us killed. The problem is our brains have not changed. We treat everyday threat on all these five indicators as if our life's at stake. Our brains don't differentiate, which is pretty sad. And hopefully, uh, granted, some of these could be life-threatening. Hopefully, most of these threats you're dealing with are not life-threatening and something you can work around. Now, so how do you give status? Well, you give status by asking somebody their opinion, you know, respecting their experience, or even just, you know, giving credit to what they do. So what about certainty? Well, it's pretty easy, right? Ask if now's a good time. You know, be able to let them have some uh, heads up, you know, in terms of, you know, hey, this is going to be happening. Let's talk about it. Or even lay out a plan, right? That gives people a little bit more understanding of what's happening. Uh, autonomy. Simply give people choice, you know, is now a good time or, or maybe later? That's both certainty and autonomy or giving them some choice, flexibility, allow them time maybe to explore. I'd, I'd like to hear some of some of your thoughts on that, right? You're, you're showing status and some autonomy and, and helping them think through or having them think through some of these choices. Relatedness. Well, be human, <laughs> you know, treat people as human, connect to people on a human level, be human yourself, show some vulnerability and some openness and some flexibility that, that you know, you're not, you know, fixed on something. And, and finally, you know, fairness. Well, fairness is is often felt when I think you 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 give people voice and, and you recognize, you respect them and, and you give them some space and autonomy. But, you know, also with fairness, just recognize, you know, some of your biases, treat people with respect, be kind, right? It's, it's, it's being in that space of recognizing that, you know, equality doesn't always mean equity and vice versa. And, and what does that mean for, for different situations? So back to our stories, um, we were able to recover, like our marriage is still intact. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that, that those, illustrations of really poor examples. Number one, I'm not immune to failure. But number two, we were able to recover. I mean, the, the, the conversation where I got threatened, within a couple minutes, I went and said, okay, apologize. Um, I was in, a, I was in a, a flow state and I didn't recognize the importance of this conversation. Um, you know, it, it required me to reset. It required me to come back to that table. Now, in the other one, it was almost the opposite. It, it, again, required her to kind of step back and think. And sometimes time is is a really valuable tool here. And, and her recognition that, well, maybe she's wrapping up a lot of threat that wasn't really threat. She kind of, you know, rolled things together like, well, we're still going to live in this town. We're still going to be with our friends. And maybe this house can be a great house for, you know, another young family that wants to use it. So, you know, being able to kind of step back from it, give her a little bit of space in order to process that, you know, helped her kind of come down from that threat position. Okay, so I encourage you to start to evaluate and start to look at 
your threats, right? Pay attention to some of your triggers. Now, the first thing you got to do, the most important thing you have to do is manage your own. If you go under threat, game over, right? It's not going to go anywhere constructive. You can't manage a conversation. You can't manage engagement if you're under threat. It's just going to cycle down. Then once you kind of manage your reactions and move them more into responses and you can kind of manage those those threat triggers, then you can start to deal and, and start to invoke and give out some of these rewards to others that you can kind of be the, the catalyst for positive change versus the catalyst towards threat. So I wish you the best of luck in your upcoming conversations and enjoy the journey. Relearning Leadership is the official podcast of the Agile Leadership Journey. It's hosted by me, Pete Behrens, with analysis from our Global Guide community. It's produced by Ryan Dugan with music by Joy Zimmerman. If you loved listening to this podcast, please leave us a review and visit our website, relearningleadership.show for guest profiles, episode references, transcript, comments, and more. And to relearn more about your own leadership, visit us at agileleadershipjourney.com.